0: It is The Brink, coming to you once again for another episode that we decide to do when we feel like it. Remember when we used to be five days a week breakfast and we had to show up at 7am and you had to listen to us live? Well, suck it, because now it's I'm lazy and it's whenever I want to do it, and that's today. So you're listening to your favourite podcast. Welcome, it's so great to have you here on the show. And we're getting started straight away. We're doing something that we don't often do in this podcast because we like to spread things out. And do other things that cool. sounds wrong, but um, maybe we can spread this person out because bringing him straight in <laughs> to spread him out—it's everybody's favorite Snugite, It's Noah Groves. and I don't have a—I don't have an introduction for Noah like I do with all of our guests. So sorry, Noah, welcome back though. Uh,
1: I'm just trying to think of an
0: introduction for you. Fatty, Hang essa. On. Fatty... <laughs> back seat, back seat. Back... you guys never performed live on the show, did you? Uh, well.
1: We were a punk rock band, so I don't know how that would go down in seven AM in the morning.
0: I don't know. We had we had a myriad of people performing. Pretty sure live. we we
1: showed up hungover half the time.
0: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the good old days of you, 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 Fat Noah, in the studio. That was fun. Yeah. Used to like being Coke. eighteen. Remember that? Ah, oh, I do. Back in the black and white days. Um, <laughs> we, I, you, you have had an interesting journey in in the decade we've known each other. Now, oh, what a time! But I remember sitting in a car with you, what was it six years ago nearly now, when oh, we did the Brink Unleashed five. 8, or well five and a half, nearly, you know, around that. Uh, was it Brink Unleashed 8, Brink Unleashed 7, uh, traveling around Tasmania? And uh, you got the, was it an email or a phone call basically going, guess what, you're going to Korea. And that was sort of your uh, little bit and, oh, yay, new life journey. And here we are all these years later, five, six, wherever it may be. And you're about to leave Korea. Uh, so it's come full circle. Um, how are you feeling? This It's gone by quickly.
2: Uh,
1: yeah, well, it was never meant to be five years. Uh, well, it, it was never meant to be any set amount of time, actually. I didn't have a set amount of time. I just showed up. Like, when you... <laughs> young and 22 you can just kind of do that just show up see what happens uh five years later which to be fair there was a big ass uh pandemic and you would know as you did the two week overpriced quarantine our country basically locked if you were a a foreigner out of australia uh you were basically locked out of the country i'm not going to go into that again i'm Mm. sure i've ranted about that before um uh so it has been longer than I expected, but from that, uh, many great things came from to people I would never have met had I gone home. Hobbies I picked up and whatnot. Uh, but it is like I—you've I, had an interesting journey too. But even my mum, who has has not left anywhere really, uh, still lives in Snug. Sent me a message the day uh, the other day saying, "I can't believe it's been five years." So for everyone, it's felt. Extremely quick, although I did send a picture of when I first arrived to Korea to some friends, and they all said, Oh my god, you look so young! You're, you're a baby. Like,
3: I haven't aged that much. I don't
0: think calm you have down. at all. You've, you've you know, you're still young, spring chicken Noah. That's why I talk to you, right? Which yeah, like, I calm down. I, you talk about like hobbies you've picked up and things like that. I mean, you're literally sitting there drinking rice wine right now that you said you made. So, I mean, like, is that making drinks you seem to do some sort of uh mixology you cook cakes um you do karaoke i mean what are some of the main ones that you picked up when you've lived there
1: uh well because it's like part of its career and then part of it's just five years of your life and uh, the one thing that this is a conversation we need to have in five years' time, I think.
0: I'll be oh, talking to you in five I'll, years. Ten years is enough with well, you. The limit's you'll done. You'll be dead. Yeah, I will be. Uh, <laughs> to be honest. Or I'll be Or in dead. jail. Uh, <laughs> you'll be in jail or I'll be
1: dead. Yeah. Um, or vice versa. <laughs> this is going to age bad if any of that comes true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, know, you know our track record on this show, we're killing people or something like that. So, you know, five years' time. Uh, Rest in peace, Ben uh, or Noah.
1: I'll always have to reconcile with the idea for good or for bad that most of my 20s were spent in Korea. So I, I moved from home when I was 21 to Europe and then I came home for a few months and then I left to Korea. So I never really in my life, no matter how old I get, will ever really have had a 20s in my home country, which... I mean, there's many good things and there's bad things about that. Um, so there's been five years. Some of the stuff I've picked up has been career based and other is just like five years. Uh, but you mentioned no one, no one gets this unless you, unless you know, but I do brew my own makgeolli, which is Korean rice wine, which is delicious. And I've gotten pretty good at it, but if you have never had it, uh, then you don't get it. No one gets it unless unless you know. It's a very niche uh, hobby to have and there's a very small community online and everyone who's in that totally gets it and anyone who's not in that does not get it. He's got a big um, smile
0: on his face when he's talking about this right now. I like that. I, I, I don't think I've seen Noah so
3: happy.
1: <laughs> he's
0: I'm just not going to show you my fridge, but there's a lot of homemade booze in there. So um, if you come and visit and, me in and, Sydney, are you going to make me some?
1: Well, I, I'm planning to bring it as outside of Korea, the problem is, like, uh, makoli is booming in Korea now, but outside of Korea, you cannot get fresh, like, homemade craft makoli You can only get pasteurized BS. So I'm going to miss it a lot. Uh, so, Uh But I'm excited to bring this to Australia. That's my mission.
0: It does look like uh, milk yeah. or cheese. I don't know which it looks it like. It looks more. like milk, uh,
1: <laughs> but it doesn't taste like milk. And it is booze. Uh, but, But when you say rice wine, people think like sake or like some Chinese, like vodka spirit. So it's very like smooth. It's lighter than drinking a beer. Uh, So it's hard to describe it. There's nothing else in the world like it that I know of. And wine doesn't really kind of cover it. It's not wine. Uh, Macaulay has a real branding issue but that's a whole other story but uh, that's a hobby I really love to pick up because that's one if I left during before the pandemic I never would have picked up on and now that's a big part of my life
0: I would love to like I know we've talked about on the show before and we've talked uh, you know in in person (laughs) private whatever you want to say but I know there's certain foods and stuff that you have missed that you can't get there in Korea. I think cheese you've talked about, is it cheese is a big one and like certain like meats and everything like that. Like, is there something that when you do step foot back in Australia, wherever it may be that you're just going to rush to Woolies and, and just buy like a, a block of cheddar and just chow into it or something like that?
1: Uh, the, the longer I'm here, the less, the more the cravings do sort of go away. Um, but cheese—it's changing. It's getting better here. But that's a big one. Uh, obviously, I'm dying for a palmy. Mm, um, yes. But the the one weird thing that you would never guess is I I never used to be a steak eater, and just it's hard to get steak here. And even though I would never really was into steak that much, now I'm just fanging for a steak at the moment.
0: <laughs> You're gonna go have a steak with me and laugh at me when I order mine well done. I'm not going with you if you're ordering it. Well done. I was like, well done. Uh, I'll kind of pass that. Question I don't think I've ever asked you, and I don't even know if you know the answer to this. That day you got that note, message, phone call to say that you're going to Korea. Had that been a thanks for your application but no, what do you think you would have done for the last five years? (laughs) The sliding doors. Mm. um, Yeah.
1: Sometimes I think about that when I am trying to go to sleep and I can't sleep and neighbors are partying next to door. I was about to say, you've got
0: neighbors <laughs> up to 5 a.m. banging at the door. <laughs> that
1: may or may not have happened. Um, I I do think the biggest sliding doors is how, what if I never went to Europe to study abroad because I was certain when I applied for that that I wasn't going to get into that. Um and if I would not been to that, I never would have went to Korea. Uh, so, and honestly, I don't like to think about it. It actually kind of scares me a little bit to think about how things could have went. Because I think for better or for worse, it would have been much worse. So I'm thankful. Even though there are pros and cons of being here for so long, I think my life would not have been as fulfilling so i but who knows like who knows what could i could have won the lottery or something like you can never know so i don't like to think about it (laughs) sometimes i think about it but i don't like to think about it
0: do you, you you're about to hit the road and travel around asia for a little bit and uh that before heading back here but do you also i guess given that where you are where you are the location to these countries you're about to visit to a visit and obviously, you know, quite cheap compared to some other places as well. Is this where you like you're going out of your way to make the, the most of this? Cause I mean, it was a good point you made about being in your twenties doing this sort of stuff now, but 10 years time, you could be married and have kids and this is stuff you can't do. So it's sort of, you know, do you make the most of these opportunities?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a mixture of, um, like sometimes I think that, the the pandemic like we say oh yeah wasn't that a thing and uh oh that was crazy and whatnot and it's over now i think in five years ten years people are going to realize oh that actually impacted me more than maybe i gave it credit for and i'm coming to that realization that yeah it was a big thing that oh maybe i was impacted more than i thought i was by it and i keep saying i'm in my 20s whatever like 25 to 20, 24 to 27. That's kind of your prime 28, 29. And I lost two of those years. Uh, and I was thankful I'm in Korea where it's still something new. Uh, so it it is a combination of a bit of redemption, I guess. Um, I haven't left (laughs) this country in three (laughs) years. I literally have not set foot on a plane in three years. Wow. So it's a bit of that. And then it's a bit of, so like, I feel like I've missed out on two years of my twenties. I feel like, Um, I'm leaving a job that I've had for five years straight, which was quite restrictive in like vacation time and whatnot, that I'm not even thinking about what I'm going to do next. I'm just going to appreciate this free time where I've saved up some money. Like when you're young, before I came to Korea, I didn't, I'd never had money in my life. So now I have some actual savings. He's rich.
0: No, he's rich. Everyone (laughs) rob him. Everyone rob Noah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm rich in Korean won, the millions of won. Um, so it is, it's partly that, that, as you said, like, who knows what would be next? So like, this is the time where I've got some savings. I'm already in Asia. And like, I need to make the most of being young, even though you can still do things when you're older, but obviously it gets harder and this is the time. So I, people keep asking me, what are you doing next? And I've kind of, I, I a little bit, I used to feel a little bit ashamed. I'm like, I don't know. And now I'm like, no, I'm owning it. I do it. This is what I'm doing next. I'm traveling and not everything. What are you doing next? Has to be a bloody job. Yeah. That being said, I do need to get a job. So if anyone has a job, (laughs) eventually.
0: (laughs) Hey, well, I could hook you up with my job, but I don't know if you'd be interested in it. We're always hiring at the moment. So, um, I could sweep a floor or something. Yeah. Well, you know, it's basically what I do, right? Pretty much. Um, Tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go into some other stuff, but I'm going to bring you back for the closing of the show today because I've got something oh, what an uh, honor. unique I want to do with you. And uh, Oh, I thought we've done everything. We're talking about spreading. <laughs> we might have to get to that. So uh, we'll, we'll bring you back very soon. for a classic interview. We love a classic interview here on The Brink. We're going back to the year 2011, 12 years ago, to a name that you might not be overly familiar with anymore, but... Let's just say in the two, 2000s, if I can speak properly, this guy was a pretty big deal. John Edward. If you have no idea who I'm talking about, he was essentially a ghost person who talked to ghosts. A ghost person who talked to ghosts. He was a renowned medium that essentially would get people in the audience and say to a person, hey, somebody died, I'm going to talk to them from beyond the grave. And he came to Hobart in 2011 and we got him on the show to talk a little bit about not only what he was going to do in Hobart but a little bit about his career. So it's an interesting one and people of a certain age probably will remember John Wood and the big craze that we had sort of in the 2000s around mediums and talking to the dead and everything along these lines. This guy, this guy was on Will and Grace and Oprah and all these other kind of shows as well. It was that big of a deal when this was a big trend. So we actually had him on the show twice. This is the first time we ever had him on, so perhaps we'll have to play the second interview that we had with him a couple of years after that. So sit back, relax, and listen to our chat with Psychic Medium from 2011, John Edward. John Edward discovered his abilities at an early age and has since gone on to become one of the world's leading psychic mediums in the field of paranormal activity. A career that has spanned close to 15 years, John first had a book published in 1998 which led to unprecedented demand for him to have his own television series. His own series, Crossing Over with John Edward, debuted in 2000 and went on to international success with everybody wanting to get a piece of the now-famous John Edward. Since the show has ended, John has continued to be published as well as tour the world, speaking to people and speaking to their dead relatives, bringing closure and amazement to everybody around the world. John is set to return to Australia in October and for the first ever time he will visit Hobart. I spoke to John during the week about his career and what to expect from his seminar in October here in Hobart. John, thank you very much for your time time here
2: on The Brink. I'm excited, thanks for having me.
0: Now, at what age did you realize you had the ability to communicate with the dead?
2: My, my journey started at the age of 15, and for the first two years of my psychic life, I was basically just doing regular psychic readings of what was happening in people's lives and what was coming up for them. And then shortly after that, um, slowly, it started to kind of seep in. So I would say like around the age of 16, I started to notice it. 17, it had gotten stronger around an uncle's death. And by the, you know, by the time my mom passed, which was when I was 19, I was already doing this. I was already doing mediumship-type work. And
0: did it scare you when you first realized what was actually happening?
2: You know, it didn't. And everybody wonders, like, why wouldn't it? But um, when you come from a place that I was coming from, which my father was a New York City police officer, he was an army guy, um, things had to be factual, logical, analytical, statistical, and militant in my household, um, both emotionally, mentally, definitely spiritually. Um, my mom's side of the family was much more open to psychic stuff, but my dad was not. So growing up with him as the you know alpha male in the family, I had that kind of imprinted on me in some way. So you can't be afraid of something or fearful of something that you're not certain even exists in the first place. So my approach to the subject matter was always one of being questioning and skeptical, never cynical, never arrogant, never ignorant, but always very healthy in my skepticism. And I encourage people to actually be that way because I had that experience, and I really think you get more out of your own journey that way by questioning and thinking. And um, that's why I was never fearful.
0: And what was your father's reaction when you first told him that you had these abilities?
2: Well, yeah, you see, we didn't really tell him right away. <laughs> <laughs> my mom and dad had separated when I was about 13 years of age, so I wasn't living with him when, when my journey really kind of started. And we really did not kind of go down that path for... A, a number of years because it just would not have been a pretty one early on when I first started. So um my mom was like, "You know what? If you're choosing to do this, I'm going to get the blame for it anyway for, <laughs> you know, being involved in it." So I'm going to just ask you to kind of keep it to yourself while you're trying to figure out what you can and cannot do, or where your abilities lie, or what you want to do with it. You know, initially there was no need to tell anybody. It was something that I was able to do, or I would know. So it Eventually, probably, I would say maybe five years in, it started becoming a topic of conversation that was ignored.
0: And how on earth do you bring that out, though? Is it just sitting at the dinner table? Hey, Mom. Hey, Dad. How's your day been? Awesome. Oh, guess what? I can speak to the dead.
2: <laughs> um, well, not exactly like that, but um, my mom was very, very aware of my grandmother. and I was living in my grandmother's house with my mom at the time, so my mom's side of the family was completely and 100% aware and open to what I was doing and what I was exploring. And, um, you know, they all kind of had the, I think early on, I think they all had the assumption or the idea or if they even gave it a second thought, like, you know, oh, Johnny's dabbling in some weird stuff, like that type of kind of like a John, Johnny thinks he's psychic, you know, because I was, you know, John the grandson, John the nephew, Johnny the cousin, Johnny the friend. I was not John Edward the Psychic. You know, I was Little Johnny. I was Cousin Johnny. So it wasn't like people took it too seriously. And I will actually say that I started doing this work in 1985, and I don't really believe my quote-unquote family or circle really, really recognized me doing this work until my first book came out. And then all of a sudden... It was like I was allowed to be psychic because I was a published author.
0: <laughs> well, I suppose you, at least you eventually got that ac- acceptance, but I suppose that would have made it a little bit difficult over those 13 years.
2: Yeah, well, you know, it was, it was an interesting period of time because I remember having, having a couple of times Listen, you know, early on you learn how to be the butt of the joke. You learn how to uh, get a thick skin, people with their comments and they're this and they're that. So when you can deal with it on your level of, of family and friends making fun of you or poking fun at the subject matter, you, you learn to take yourself less seriously because you understand how people are coming at you. So that was a great preparation for becoming known on a bigger circle or having your circle widen of people who actually do know you for what you do, who don't know you personally, who only think that they know you based upon their um, what they, their own personal views skewing what they see you doing. Mm. So it all happens in a way of development that helps you to understand who you are. I mean just on
0: that too, obviously there are a lot of critics out there of, of your work and a lot of people out there in the media who obviously doubt what you can do. And then you've got things like the, the other forms of media family Guy, South Park that just completely ripped into you. So I mean, obviously that's prepared you in a way of sort of dealing with those sort of situations.
2: You know, none of that stuff has really ever bothered me. Um, I I, I kind of have a philosophy that... I don't read anything that's written about me unless I wrote it. And that's been my philosophy. Like, I I don't watch me on TV. I don't watch um, shows that I've been on. I I, I do the shows, and I treat everything I do as if it's it's live and it's happening right now, and I get one shot at it. So Mm. that's been my whole approach to everything that I do, Uh, whether it be crossing over or or doing your show or doing Larry King or Oprah. Everything I do, I always treat it as if it's in the moment and it flies. And I don't go back and watch it again. I don't go back and listen to it again. And the simple reason I don't read anything is that if I didn't write it, it's not important enough. Because that means that somebody else has the right to define me. And I think only I can define me.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, then. We won't even bother sending you a copy of this recording, John. We'll just say whatever. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Only nine See, I saved into trouble
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, You've dug yourself a hole there now, John You've dug yourself a hole Now, uh, you were mentioning before about your first book published in 1998, one last time Now this eventually led on to what would be your first TV show, Crossing Over What were your first thoughts when you were offered the role on TV?
2: Um, you're crazy <laughs> that, that is actually what my thoughts were I'm like, you're absolutely crazy Nobody's going to put me on TV talking to dead people Like, that's just insane Um, and my, my experience up to that, media-wise, had been to be on lots of radio. I had really, really had just a great experience. I love radio, and the reason why I love radio is that people from all over the place can call in in the moment, interact and connect, and it's really about energy and connection. And it, it didn't really matter if, if, I, if they could see me. It didn't matter to me what people, if they knew what I looked like. I wanted them to know my name, and I wanted them to know what the work stood for. And I wanted to be able to inspire and empower people with what I can do. So radio was a great way to do that. It was a great, great, great reach. So when they asked me if I would do a TV show with these two producers, I said, I would love to do a show. I said, but I'd prefer if it could be like a nationally syndicated radio show. And they were like, yeah, no, how about TV? And I went, mm, how about radio? And they said, give us six months and let's see what happens. So I really said yes, because I never thought realistically that the pop cultural um, consciousness would... Was ready for something like that, but I think it was just more me not thinking that it would happen. And then when it did happen, you know, it was for thirteen weeks. I had signed on to do this, you know, show for thirteen weeks, and I didn't think it was going to go for four years and then become internationally syndicated. It was insane, and I really, I really feel like I held my breath for four years. And then when the show kind of ran its course. I like finally get the chance to exhale because it's a great responsibility.
0: Well, I mean, obviously mentioning there that the success of the show definitely surprised you. How did you react then becoming this well-known celebrity? Look, there's John Edward, international psychic. I mean, it must have been crazy. You
2: no, know, it really wasn't. And that's the kind of cool part. I think that you, I think our thoughts manifest our reality. And I think there are people who go into the media. And their intent is because they want to be known. They want to be famous. They want people to see them. They want to sign autographs. And they need that kind of attention. I really never did. And I still don't. You know, my wife jokes with me all the time. And she'll say, ah, it is just not right that they would give somebody like you a TV show. She goes, it's just not right. She goes, it's so wasted on on you because you just don't care. And I'd laugh because, you know, like... I've been invited to more red carpet events. I've had more like a list celebrity opportunities and none of them really honestly, you know, in, in in, a, in the big scheme of things, they don't really affect me. You know, there's been some cool opportunities and there's been some, you know, some others that other people would probably slip out over that I said no to. But that's the reason why I think I had the success because I never, I never got affected by it. I'm the same person that I was, you know, clearly older now I'm 42 <laughs> than, you know, when I first started at 15, but, you know, who I am is who I am.
0: Then in that instance, it's a lot more rewarding for you to be able to bring somebody who's lost a loved one closure than walking along the red carpet with
2: Brad Pitt. Absolutely. I mean, just recently I was, I was invited to... Matt Damon had a new movie that was out called Hereafter with the Clint Eastwood film and the whole nine yards. And um, I was invited to the, to the premiere of that in New York City. Now, the movie is called Hereafter. It's about a medium. It's dealing with the afterlife I'm at the premiere, there's a huge red carpet, and my wife looked at me and she said, you know you should probably do this because it would be a vehicle for you to actually talk about what you do. And I looked at her and I went, yeah, but I'm not. And I literally walked in the back of the, the venue and went and watched the film, because that's why I was there. I, w- I, I had the opportunity to see the film and I, w- I went to go see it to have the experience. But I think that you know somebody else might have literally milked that experience um, because of the the subject matter, I didn't see it as being a good vehicle to teach. And when I do stuff, it's got to be a vehicle for me to be able to impart a message. And everything I do, whether it be your show or writing a book or doing a seminar, is always exactly that. It's a classroom source where I could impart my now twenty six years of experience of dealing with love, loss, the other side, grief, energy, empowerment, and you know, kind of leaving somebody better than I found them, leaving them with the nugget of information and saying, "Hey, I can't fix you, I can't heal you." but maybe if you try these tools, it can make a difference in your
0: life. But on the flip side of that too, obviously being recognized has probably led a lot more people aware of that there are people like you out there who can help them deal with this sort of stuff. And I would I would imagine that here's John Edwards on a, his day off, walking down the street, going to get milk, however it is, getting stopped on the street by people coming up to you and asking them to help them deal with that?
2: You know, that that happens very infrequently. Um, usually people have stopped me and say, I respect you. I like what you do. Thanks for doing what you do. Um, although in a very quick kind of way, say, you know, you see anything around me, but in, an, in a, not in an inappropriate kind of way, hmm. which is really, really cool. But I think that goes back to, again, who I am, because I really do feel like there's a, a time and place for this. If you would have met me when I was in my early 20s, my late teens, and I was doing this, I didn't really, I didn't really adhere to the, there's a time and place for this. It was more like, wow, I can do this. I, I should just do this. And I remember being at a uh, convention, like a psychic convention, a fair in New York City. And during a break, I went downstairs to a street vendor to grab a sandwich or a hot dog, whatever it was. And there was a woman that was getting ready to cross the street. And I, I looked at her, and I knew that it was her birthday, because I saw a symbol that showed me that. And I knew that her name began with the a C or a K and I And I said to her, you're, you're Karen or Carol, and she looked at me, and you could see she's trying to figure out, like, how does he know me? Like, where do I know him from? I said, today's your birthday, isn't it? And she looked at me, and she goes, yes, it is. I said, and your dad's passed? And she goes, yes, he has. I go, well, I'm here at a psychic convention, I said, and I just came down to grab something for lunch, and I said, and I see your dad around you. I said, he wants me to wish you a happy birthday. Now, here I am feeling like I am, like, the most amazing person passing on this birthday wish to this lovely young lady on the street. And, um... You know, half of her looked like it wanted to run into oncoming traffic to get away from me, and the other half looked like she wanted to cry and hug me. And I went on with my day, went back upstairs, and about four hours later, the event was over, and when I walked out, there was the same girl in the hall outside of the the convention room area, and I looked at her and went, hey, I go, what are you doing here? And she looked at me, and she just had this, like, conflicted look on her face, and she went, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. She goes, was I supposed to come see you? Did my dad have something else to say? Did, am I supposed to, like, avoid? And she, I realized that in that moment, I absolutely destroyed this girl's afternoon mm-hmm. because, you know, here I thought I was doing a positive thing by passing on this message. Instead, it opened up a whole can of worms for her that I didn't help her deal with. Mm-hmm. And I, I never forgot that. I never forgot the look on that girl's face. So I recognized, you know, then, you know what? It's not about you going, hey, look what you can do, because that would be coming from a place of ego. You have to be able to, you know, back it up in a certain way and leave people better than you find them. Otherwise, it's like a hit and run. Hmm. So I I recognize then that, yeah, I don't just, you know, in my everyday life, attack read people. You
0: obviously would have that ability where you're able to, you're walking down the street, and you, you must come across it all the time, that you can see people and come across people and and you possibly, as you were saying, you might be able to know that they've recently had a loved one and that, but you've obviously then got to fight that urge not to be able to just walk up to them and be like, hey, your mum wants to say hello. Right,
2: well, you know, one of the people that I studied with when I was, you know, very young, 15, 16 years of age, uh, I studied psychic development and a couple other classes and then she threw me out of them and said, you're way beyond this. But she really gave me a great foundation in understanding some of the ethics that I adhere to today. Like she gave me the permission to be wrong she said, remember that it's okay to be wrong. She goes, because in, in, in being wrong, it means you strived to get it right. And I went, okay. And one of the other conversations we had, and her name is Sandy Anastasia and I dedicated my last book to her. She's still doing this work and teaching all around the world. And, um, she said to me, um, now keep in mind at this time, my neighbor, my next door neighbor was very hot. She was a, a, a very hot young lady. And, um, And this woman, Sandy, said to me, can I ask you a question? And I went, sure. Would you ever go watch your neighbor while she was showering? And I went, excuse me? She goes, would you ever go look through your neighbor's bathroom window while she was showering? And I remember I blushed. And I went, why are you asking me that? And she goes, I'm just asking you a question. Answer the question. I go, of course not. I said, that would be completely inappropriate. She goes, exactly don't do it psychically. So, and, and But what she really was imparting to me is just because you have the ability to look into areas of people's lives that are private doesn't mean that you should if you're not asked. And that really, really, that really very early on taught me like, don't do that. Like, you have the ability to do that. It doesn't mean that you should.
0: Well, uh, you're heading to Australia back here in October, and that, of course, is the reason why we're talking to you today, John. You're making your first ever visit to
2: Tasmania.
0: Now, uh, what Yes, a- I am. I'm very excited. Have you heard much about our state? Do you know much about Tassie besides, say, the Tassie Devil?
2: You know, I really, honestly, I, I do not. I mean, I will probably, you know, do a little bit of uh, kind of, like, learning about the country before I come there. But, you know, every time I've gone to Melbourne, there's always been folks that have flown in, from Tasmania and there's always somebody that asks me when are you you know when are you going to come there and I made a public promise that in 2011 I was coming to Tasmania so I'm coming to Tasmania. I, I stick to my word. That's good
0: to hear. And i tell you what, when you're down here, John, we'll we'll put together a personalised Brink and Edge radio tour and we'll show you all the, the cool spots to come to around here because it is a beautiful place and our entire state of Tasmania really is something to behold. I can't
2: wait. Seriously, I just, I'm just i really looking forward
0: to it. Now, look, before we wrap this up, we're going to get you to ask a set of five questions we do like to ask all our guests. But just before I get to those questions, I actually uh, managed to sit down last night and watch your appearance on Will & Grace. Now, now, um, <laughs> Have you ever sort of uh, did the acting bug bite you? When that John ever sort of wanted to give it a go again?
2: Yeah. Well, let me tell you the funny behind-the-scenes story. The director of that, James L. Brooks, um, during the during the afternoon kind of like walk-through, all I hear is his voice from the blackness of the studio, and he says during like a, a pause, um, "You really are amazing at what you do." And I'm like, look, and I'm like, like thank, thank you, because it came out of nowhere, you know. He goes, no, 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 really. You, you really are amazing at what you do. I'm like, oh, you're welcome. And then he paused and he went, because you certainly cannot act. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you'd probably fit in very well in a lot of shows down here, John. You'd probably win a lot of awards in Australia. <laughs> We'll put you in contact with some managers when you're here. Now, wrapping these up with a set of five questions. Now, um, one of these questions I think I might have to explain to you because it was from an Australian advertising campaign, so it probably won't make a lot of sense to you. But we'll start off by asking you, number one, what is your favourite type of cheese?
2: I love fresh, mo- fresh mozzarella.
0: Yum, absolutely. Good idea there. And I suppose being from New York, you've got you to gotta absolutely be obsessed with pizza.
2: Um, I love, I, yeah, I love all, I mean, I'm half Italian, so I love Italian food. But like, I, you know, cold, fresh mozzarella with balsamic vinegar,
0: yum. Absolutely fantastic. Now, this is a question I'll have to explain to you. There was an advertising campaign here a few years back for a toilet paper company who asked whether or not people folded or scrunched when they used the toilet. So John Edwood, do you fold or do you scrunch your toilet paper when you have to go? Um,
2: actually, I use uh, flushable toilet wipes.
0: Right, there you go. Well, there, let's see, we've never had that answer before, John, so already you're in an exclusive area. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, growing up, what was your dream job?
2: Um, my dream job go, gro- growing up, I wanted to own a deli.
0: And how, how, do you ever sort of think maybe that in retirement you could still do that?
2: Um, no, because I actually, my one of my first jobs actually was to go work at a deli and I realised that would never happen after I was
0: there. <laughs> I suppose you opened your eyes out to that. Uh, also growing up, who was the celebrity crush? Did you have any posters on the wall? Who was who was the dream person to be with? Kate Jackson.
2: But I had a few of them. I love Linda Carter. Mm. I had her on my wall. Yeah, yeah, Linda Carter, Kate Jackson. I, I can go through all the posters if you like. So I'm a little bit older than you, apparently.
0: I think so. Probably just a bit, John. So um, I'm I'm probably going to hear a lot of these names and probably be like, who?
2: Well, basically, um, Kate Jackson was, was was a big one and, and Wonder Woman Linda Carter was, was another. I
0: can imagine the Wonder Woman. I reckon I probably still have one. I've seen the pictures of her and I've seen some of the um, episodes of it and, yeah, I can imagine why you would have liked her.
2: Well, I was very patriotic, clearly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the uh, final question here for you, on the brink today for John Edward Is who let the dogs out?
2: Um, Baja Man.
0: <laughs> you're on the bandwagon. Everybody gives that answer. It's a fantastic one to have. Well, John Edward, you're coming out here to Hobart on October the 9th at the Darwin Entertainment Centre. Tickets are still available, but selling fast. We look forward to seeing you when you're here, and hopefully we might be able to get another chat with you when you're in our great city, John.
2: I would love that, and thank you for the opportunity. We'd
0: like to bring you a taste of some of our other shows that are under the brink umbrella that we always like to call it. And we've got a special one for you today because it's from 007, our James Bond podcast, one that we know you love. But we're going to play a clip for you It has not even aired yet. This is a snippet from an upcoming episode that's about two or three weeks away at the time of this being released. It is our Casino Royale 1954 commentary episode with myself, Noah, who, of course, you're hearing on this episode, and Colin Hilding, who comes on this show quite a lot as well. And during that commentary, during that episode, we got a little bit carried away by discovering a certain famous cowboy from a days gone by era that perhaps is a bit different to now. Let's take a listen to that. Mid-dicky Mid-dicky <laughs> wiki, uh, I think he's drinking Hoot Gibson.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm having a glass of Hoot Gibson.
3: <laughs> Hoot Gibson's freaky. I
1: seriously
0: am gonna have nightmares about this guy now. <laughs> like he's wearing makeup in the thirties. <laughs>
3: In the thirties, freaky. I just googled them. Yeah, I see his teeth too. Wow, Gibson. This guy, this is freaky. Who Gibson's teeth out for the boys? <laughs> we gotta find a great Hoot Gibson picture to just include on our social media. Yeah, <laughs> with no context. We just post it. We just no caption. <laughs> Oh Nothing. my God,
1: that is freaky. Yeah, the one with him in the full body with the cowboy hat, him sitting down with his hands closed. Post that one.
3: <laughs> I, oh I just found, though, there's there's. this is obviously a different guy. There was a NASA astronaut also named Hoot Gibson. <laughs> a woman? <laughs> a
1: woman. <laughs> I just I would have a child one day and call it a Hoot. Hoot Waterworth. Can we, can hoot Waterworth. No, I
3: thought it was Hoot Hilding. Imagine that. Hoot Gross. Hoot Hilding.
0: Hoot Hilding. That, uh, that sounds like a movie star. Starring I feel hoot like he Hilding.
1: needs a W middle name, so Hoot W Hilding. That mm. oh.
0: Hoot Wilson Hilding. God. Wow. Uh,
1: Speaking of uh, middle names, uh, I was listening to one of your commentaries the other day.
3: Colin, I think we share the same middle name. Which one? I have two. W. Oh, William? Yes. Oh Aww. wow. No, I think
1: we, we were I didn't know that until I was listening to one of your so I didn't know that you were also named after William Lundigan, because my mum was a
3: big fan. <laughs> yeah.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> ben,
3: ben, you gotta you gotta adopt a William middle name now. We gotta all be the, the Williams. Do
0: either of you know my middle name? Uh, Coots. <laughs> James. Oh no one pays attention. Oh, you know, like really famous actors, like
1: uh, do, who's a he? really, really famous actor? Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Who, who you Gibson. know, you go into their Wikipedia and like, they don't even have the filmography because they've been in so many, you need to click like yeah. a separate link. Yeah. Who gives the separate link Wikipedia, man? Oh, who gets it? <laughs> He's got his own page. <laughs> He's got his own page for, for films. It's that many <laughs> films. <laughs>
0: Can we all change our background Weird. too? Look at his face. I would if I knew how. Yeah, ah. same here.
1: Hilton was in the original Ocean's Eleven as Unclassed. How do you? How do you do this
0: face? It's like. <laughs> what? This is great for video. I'm not episodes. showing enough teeth. I don't have enough teeth
3: um, to show. I know. <laughs> I don't even remember how we started on Hoot Gibson. Um,
0: <laughs> is he in Casino 54? I don't boiling know. Boiling Point starring Hoot Gibson, 1932's Hoot Gibson. If we get one extra Patreon between now and whenever the next episode is, we will, on Patreon, do a live watch of Hoot Gibson in Boiling Point. I hope it's in Boiling. I'm,
3: just, I'm fascinated reading up on this guy. He's been married many times, but two great ones here. One, I guess three great ones. At one point, he was married to two women at the same time, both named Helen Gibson. And his final wife uh, was Dorothy Dunstan, who was a 22-year yodeler. Oh, he's a man. This man married a yodeler and two Helen Gibsons at the same time? That is a man, right? Look at him. Right there. That is a man. That is is a man. Those teeth, those scary eyes, that cowboy hat that's swallowing
0: them all. I don't even know if Noah is listening right now, but there was a... Uh, kids, kids after i hoot. He was a kid. There was a kids' TV show in Australia for a while called Giggle and Hoot. Uh, so, and Hoot was an owl. So um, bring back the name Hoot. Underrated <laughs> name from the 30s. Well, actually, he was born in like 1890, wasn't he? So anyway, welcome to the live commentary of Hoot Gibson's career. <laughs> a man we didn't know existed like 15 minutes ago. And <laughs> now it's all about Hoot Gibson. The episode title, you- Something Hoot Gibson. There it is.
3: You can get more recaps on Hoot Gibson's filmography over on Patreon. Uh, Noah's back. Welcome back, Noah. Uh, all right, so he's got his cowboy-ish hat.
0: Do I have to get my fedora? <laughs> Look
3: at his face. He's got the Gibson. <laughs> That is a surprisingly accurate Hoot Gibson impression. No one actually kind of looks like Hoot Gibson. Hoot <laughs> <at him. laughs> Gibson. I think that He's here. we've got Hoot Gibson on the line. Howdy all, i my name's Hoot,
1: and I'm here
0: to do commentary. <laughs> I honestly think we found Noah Grove's doppelganger. It's Hoot Gibson. Yeah. <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> <laughs> no i
3: want i want your tinder profile to be you in that hat and oh change please
0: do
1: <laughs> hoot 27 snug
0: do you think if i just posted a picture of hoot gibson like the real hoot gibson to my uh tinder profile it would make me luckier um <laughs> We were lo- looking for Gibson, a nice yodeler. Oh, Lord. Um, so we said all this right. wouldn't go for three hours. Hilarious stuff. Hoot Gibson, my new favorite person on the planet. And if you want to hear that full episode and all the hilarity that ensues in that episode, then be sure to check out 007 dropping in a couple of weeks' time, our Casino Royale 1954 commentary. <laughs> Right, we're closing it out for another episode. I've got a man from Korea back. Um, it is Daniel Day Kim. No, it's uh, Noah. Everyone, <laughs> welcome back, Noah. Did you did you do much in that little break that we just had, or no? I
1: uh, made some mackerel. Yeah. Uh, cleaned my house.
0: Yeah. Took some, went to the toilet. Took some uh, Panadol. I I don't know. I was going to say drugs, but you're a clean boy. Um, no drugs we, in Korea. Before we go, um. I don't know if you remember back when we very first had you on the show. I'm looking here at this list. You were officially guessed 537 on the brink. Well done. Um, do we need to give you a little, like a little number to sew on your shirt? But we'd ask the famous <laughs> brink five questions. Do you do you remember being asked those questions back when you were a little chubby Noah back in the day? Probably hungover or.
1: Mm, I'm I'm going to be honest. I have a pretty good
0: memory, and no, I don't. Good. <laughs> That's what I wanted to hear because. <laughs> basically, I'm going to give you these, because I don't think I've ever done a redux with a guest on this show before. And I keep oh. tally of everybody's answers. So I basically want to see if your answers will be the same or of how much you'll change. Because this would have been done in 2012, so 11 years ago. Little baby face Noah. How old would oh, have you been back there? Crazy. 17? Um, 17. <laughs> So I can also tell you Nathan and Zach's if you want to know theirs as well. Um, But, all right, we'll start off with this, the famous one, the the biggest question that's never changed in this show. What is your favourite type of cheese?
1: Oh, I love cheese, but I've been a bit out of the cheese game (laughs) for five years. Um, uh, I don't know if it's basic bits, but I I just love a bit of
0: camembert. A bit of camembert. That wasn't your answer 11 years ago. What did I say? Uh, your answer 11 years ago was wasabi. Uh, oh, what? oh <laughs> fancy! Is that, is that a thing? Yeah, apparently that was your answer. Oh, um, well, that sounds good. This, this, um, I need to I need to dig it up from the archives. Maybe that's what I'll do next week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dig it up from the archives. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find that episode and I'm going to play it. So we here, little baby face Noah. Here, my little high-pitched voice.
2: I love oh, I'm, seven,
0: I'm 17. <laughs> um, your ball's dropped yet. Um, now, this one I assume wouldn't change because this is, I feel, a habit that doesn't change. When it comes to toilet paper, Noah, are you a folder or a scruncher? Scrunch. Yeah, you haven't changed. Well, <laughs> I've got, I've got, no, no one's got time for
1: folding. Uh, I'm a folder, Noah. I will. I will give you a fun toilet paper fact. Oh, always. Um, in many, many public toilets, including my workplace in Korea, and don't ask me why because I haven't wrapped my head around it. I don't think anyone knows. The toilet paper is on the outside of the toilet. What? In a communal area, and you collect the toilet paper that you're planning on using, uh-huh. and you take it into the toilet with you. So if you I'm forget, not shitting you. No
0: pun intended. If you forget, you have to, like, open the cubicle door with, like, your pants around uh-huh. your ankles and... Get it.
1: Yeah, you're screwed. Uh, and I will say I always overcompensate. I'd rather <laughs> waste a little than be in a desperate. But, so in my workplace, I go to the toilet. Um, there might be students around. You just got to give them a nod
0: while you're rolling your toilet paper out. But, 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 like, that's, like, you know sometimes when you go and there's, like, more to wipe than you're anticipating. So, like, what if you, like, you do, like, underestimate the value of the wipe and then you've still got a bit of, like, you know, Vegemite on the on the bum hole.
1: That's why I always overcompensate. There's always leftover. I don't think I've ever been in a situation where there wasn't leftover, and I know that's a waste. But I'm not putting my myself in that. I will say that, like the train stations, things like that, they've they've adopted like the install toilet paper. But many places still have like if you go on a hike and there's a toilet. Wow. Or My workplace, my old workplace used to even still have a squat toilet, but they're getting rare now, nowadays. I
0: saw them in Malaysia because, like, I I knew that was kind of a thing in some Asian countries. And I don't find it, honestly. It's, uh, I never use it, but uh, anyway. well, good to know. I'm interested with this one because I I like your answer. And I want to, I want to tell you Nathan's answer to this because it's quite funny. But, uh, who was your childhood celebrity crush? Oh,
1: um, like, how, how, how young are we talking? Give um, me,
0: give me a run through because your answer here. I mean, I would assume your answer that you gave wasn't necessarily like this would have been teenage Noah.
1: Um, I feel like I've got two from when I was a kid. One would have been, uh, and I know the connotation of this, but I genuinely did have a crush on her. I was uh, Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz, Judy Garland? <laughs> and I know the connotations, but um. The other one, I, I, I genuinely was obsessed with her as a kid, and I can't quite remember her name. So maybe you know. It was one of the Better Homes Gardens sort of, one of those landscaping type, and she was a redhead. Her name was like Pastel. Oh like. yeah, 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 and yeah. I was obsessed, and my dad was going to take me to go meet her when I was like seven. I, but I can't quite remember her name, but I was obsessed
0: with her. Uh, You know, it's okay, there's two points that which I find quite funny because um... – Nathan's answer was one of his answers was Britney Spears the other one was Noni Hazelhurst. (laughs) so I mean probably more probably more play school but she was obviously on Better Homes and Gardens as well Um, that's Australia for you we love our Better Homes and Gardens but obviously um, you know I'm quite uh, in touch with uh, Joanna Griggs so maybe she's got a number for old uh, Pascal Pascal, whatever her name is and we can hook you up yeah maybe all these years later like
1: look at me dad yeah um, I finally ended up I mean, she's probably in her fifties now.
0: Do you, do you want to know who your answer was back in 2012?
1: Yeah, I can't think what I would have said on the radio.
0: Poverty, shallow. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Survivor. I, I changed, for those who don't change need. that to Amanda now. Yeah. Well, yes, yes. Thank for that you. era. For that era. Um, <laughs> the more, more era. Uh, growing up. What was your dream job? Uh I had two, and one of them's quite
1: funny because uh, when I was really young, I really wanted to be an author. That was your answer in 2012. Oh, really? That was, yep. And uh, fun fact: I actually a few years ago uh, started writing a book just for fun, oh. and I got uh, one time I got drunk and I got embarrassed, so I deleted it, which Aww. I regret. Oh,
0: what was the but, book about? Um, oh uh, no, no no
3: tell <laughs> me tell me what was the book about
1: uh, and the other one oh, boo,
3: tell us,
1: <laughs> was us when i was this. like 11 12 i wanted to be an english teacher oh <laughs> but not not an english language teacher like english the subject mm. and when i was home from korea uh like looking at some old file files like old worksheets and that from a, like primary school, I found like a little document. My name is Noah. I'm twelve, and in the future, <laughs> I mean. my my three goals are: I want to lose weight. Aww. I want to be an English teacher and someone and some other one. I want to play music or something. And I did lose you did? some yeah. weight, getting a bit back a bit. Um, <laughs> and two, I did become an English teacher in some way, shape And you or play form. music. And I did play music, so look at me crushing oh. my low, low achievable goals. Bucket still list.
0: Like, Good job. I'd hate to look at mine. Mine'd be like become an Olympian. Yeah, sure that's going to happen. Um, you know. But I'm
1: not an author. I mean, I've like written non-fiction before, or fiction.
0: But... What's this book? A fiction. But
1: right. I think if I was going to be an author, I would like to write like a non-fiction book. That it's... would be fun.
0: But big bucket list for me: write a book. Absolutely, I'm. I'm definitely with you. And my you. new
1: bucket list is to publish a board game because I've made my damn board game that I want to publish.
0: Was it was it better than Bond Monopoly that I made or <laughs> much better? Oh, wow, burn! Uh, last one. This the last question changed a lot on this show, but I'm going to ask you the same one that I asked you back in the day, which was, "What is your worst habit?" And if you get what you got back in 2012, I will. I don't know what I'll do. I'll I'll give you a lick. I have no idea. Oh get it wrong get it wrong
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's changed a little bit uh can i can i guess what i said go for it but but that's not my answer though because that's changed
0: sure uh did i say biting my nail you did not say biting your nails no not even remotely i feel like i wouldn't have
1: wanted to admit that but that, but that's changed because uh, as a 27 year old man, I got braces and I can no longer bite my nails. So not only do I have straight teeth, but I've also kicked a dirty habit. Um, I've never
0: understood that habit. It kind of freaks me out the thought of biting my nails. So I know, I don't understand that. But hey,
1: um, well I don't do it anymore. So <laughs> uh,
0: my worst habit would be. Um, I just love your answer. <laughs> I want you to get it, but I don't think you will. No,
1: I think it's changed. I mean, it's been 11 years.
0: I, uh, I I bet you when I say this, you'll probably go, oh, well, I do still hate that. Like, yeah. I don't
1: know. I guess my worst habit is being tired and... <laughs> getting corrupt, drunk. <laughs> you, but that's
0: not a habit. Is it? <laughs> ah, well, you know, um, your what you said in 2012 was your worst habit was getting angry at slow walkers.
2: Oh,
1: don't get me started.
0: See, I told you you'd probably still have the same feelings.
1: But is, but is that a? Habit? Well, uh, was, you know, I was thinking about that. Like, I'm not shitting you. I was thinking about that like, yesterday. <laughs>
2: like, <laughs>
1: thinking about how annoyed, irrationally, I annoyed, and I, I, and being in Korea is not
0: helping. Well, I was gonna ask you when was the last time you been to Sydney? Because I've seen i found since living here the the pedestrian mindset of people in Sydney is maybe the worst I've experienced. Because it's not like it's just the manner in which they will change direction or just it's a mixture of slow oh. change direction, like idiotic decisions that if you're in a car you'd be like fucking screaming out honking the horn. Like even when I lived in New York, a city what like five times the size of Sydney, and like like people in New York know how to walk for the most part, whereas in Sydney, I'm like well, what are you fucking doing? <laughs>
1: You're triggering me. Oh, because, don't come here. <laughs> well, well, in in Korea, and I love Korea. Like it feels like I'm being negative. Uh, there is this weird mentality of walking in a sort of line rather than a horizontal sort of path. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: and yeah, it's a that's a whole other conversation <laughs> for another time. Because I'm telling you here, like it's just like the etiquette of being on like a escalator going to a train station where you veer to the left, right. Cause some people are, you know, mm. trying to get to their fucking trains. And when, you know, casually like, yeah, I'm just going to stand here and talk cause I'm in some love. And I'm like fucking like, excuse me, trying to get to a fucking train. <laughs> it's like poof. Mm. Um, things like that. But uh,
1: no, I- and I'm going to add to the list people who don't indicate either. Cause I live on a corner street, which uh, many times I've stopped because, I didn't know where the car was going. I'd say almost every morning when I walked to work. <laughs> so I'm going to add that to the list.
0: I 100%. I'm, I am one of those people that um, mainly in Hobart because I wouldn't do it in bigger cities because someone probably would shoot me. But like if I was at a roundabout and they fucking didn't indicate and they turned, I'd fucking honk the horn at them. I'd be like, you fucking idiot. Like you were fucking turning. And you like, fuck you. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not joking. You're actually getting me annoyed by all of this talk because
1: all of this grinds my gears. I don't know week. if it's a habit, but I stick by
0: it. Next week, grind my gears with Noah Groves. And you said, we used to have Ben and Dakota get angry on this show, so maybe we need to be Ben and Noah get oh, angry. You know what it was well, that made me think of it? I was reading one of, you know, like the
1: Survivor profile things, mm. and they said, like, what is your... Pet peeve. That's why yesterday I was thinking. I'm like, what would my answer be? They picked like three, and that's why I was thinking. Uh, my pet peeve: slow walkers. If you don't have a reason, if you like got a disability or whatever, that's fine. If you have no yeah. reason, and then the other one would
0: be fussy eaters. Well, you you hate me of one of those ones. Uh, but also, when you're slow walking and you're on your phone, like, look, yeah, we well, have <laughs> all walked when we've been on our phones. Don't get me wrong, I've done it. I'm not claiming innocence there. But at least I have the – I look up. Like I'm I'm not just like such a daze. I hate when I'm just I'm like in a straight line, I'm walking. And you see Johnny come lately walking towards you and they're just on their phone. And they start veering towards you. And you're like, okay. And then it's not even a case of, oh, sorry. They're kind yeah. of just like, oh, you're inconveniencing me. It's like, okay. Phones in general. I mean, I, I
1: know they've given us a lot, but – yeah. I, sometimes I, I think I would have been better being born in, like, the 70s, honestly.
0: I get... I remember... I, I'm old enough to remember what it was I mean, like to not soul. have a phone. But, like, it's... I sometimes I just, like, on a train, right, when I'm not on my phone. Because, like, often now I'll bring my book and I'll read my book on the way home on the train. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I like I look up and you look at, like, 50 people in a carriage. 48 of them are on their phones. And you're just yeah. like, wow. Life, yeah. Like It's the it's the
1: uh, is just the wind chala <laughs> now it's the going it's the going out and i had a friend visit me here about and they stayed for 3 weeks and on the first night we hadn't seen each other in 5 years and on the first night she said oh thank you. i'm so fucking glad that you and not someone who just sits there on their phone because she was also the same. And for three weeks we had conversations, believe it. It's the being, when you're out, I get, sometimes you got to text a wife or text a girlfriend or a boyfriend, whatever, or like someone's messaging you from back home or whatever, but like being out and having people like, ignoring your presence it's
0: like why are we even here 100 percent. and like look (laughs) i'm 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 in i'm as addicted to a phone as most people are today i'm again not claiming innocence and i'm not always on my phone at certain points but like you go on a date and like phone's always in my pocket like sure they go to the bathroom you might you know whip it out and just like oh yeah it's going shit fuck off but like you know, I've been in relationship with certain people who may or may not have been co-hosts on this show or not, and they were like well, you'd go out and you'd be out for dinner and they're just on their phone, and it's just, well, okay. And then yeah. like, but I'd love it when like I'm out and I see like a, clearly a couple together, and they're just sitting there on their phones, not even talking, and I was like, oh, well, they're going well. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, it's sort of I don't know. Next episode, Noah, we'll, we'll do a whole segment. Thank you. for... I should stop
1: complaining because at the time of us recording this, I literally have two days of work <laughs> left until I'm unemployed by choice. Uh, I should be celebrating so hooray
0: well celebrating <laughs> Freedom. Will, will too because we have to get to another episode because a certain older man has just joined us who is about to uh, join us into that but no thank it's you old away. very much for your time good luck on the journeys and I'm sure we'll get you on again soon yeah if I make it yes you'll be dead soon like subscribe do all the fun stuff that you do when you listen to this show and we'll be back when we decide to be back don't worry about that. Uh, until then, actually, I'm gonna get Noah to give the closing line because I don't think he's ever done the closing line before. The closing line, Noah, if you don't remember it, is "keep sucking those oranges, Hobart, and good night." So over to you. Close the show. Sucking, sucking, sucking. Okay,
2: <laughs> just checking. <laughs> Whatever floats
0: your boat, though. You, you, do you. Uh,
1: one more time. Keep sucking those oranges and keep sucking goodnight. those oranges, Hobart, and good night. Oh, Hoba, just Hoba. Keep Hobart. sucking them oranges, Hoba, and let's have a good night. <laughs> Did I do it? Perfect. <laughs>